0: A Dallas disaster. The Giants lost Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, and the game to the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Just brutal. We break down the Giants' 44-20 loss, all the injuries, and how the heck do the Giants recover from this one?
0: Our special guest is two-time Super Bowl champion, Giants defensive end, and friend of the program, my old teammate, Dave Tolson.
1: So
2: stretch out every single one of your muscles, take your vitamins, stay hydrated. It's time for a new Blue Rush from the New York Post. <laughs> Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to Post Sports Plus. Get your first 30 days free. Joining us today on Blue Rush will be two-time Giants Super Bowl champion defensive end, friend of the program, Dave Tollefson. But now let's welcome in your host of Blue Rush this season. That would be... His old teammate, two-time Super Bowl champion, Lawrence Tynes. And New York Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Guys, Lawrence, I'll hand it off to you. I'll hand the baton to you. Hopefully, you don't drop it and sprain your ankle or anything if I hand it off to you. But my God. A uh, ugly Sunday in Dallas, a 44-20 loss, and an injury to your starting quarterback, your starting running back, and your number one receiver. Rough day at the office.
0: Not a very good Sunday. Hopefully everyone stays healthy on the show this evening. Paul, if I told you the Giants were going to give up no sacks, have two sacks of their own, and Kadarius Toney was going to have almost 200 yards receiving, you would
1: say what? Man, that was probably a hard game to write. It must have gone right down to the wire. It must have been a really good game. Um <laughs> Uh, No sacks allowed. That means Daniel Jones had some time to throw. Obviously, he hit Kadarius Toney, and um, maybe Saquon had a big game. Daniel Jones had another big game in the dome inside in this building. And um, yeah, maybe the Giants got their second win of the year. But that didn't happen, did it?
0: Have you ever covered a game with this many injuries to starters in in your entire career? Because I'm sitting there watching a game, and I was talking to my family and maybe texting some old teammates and asking them the same question, and every one of them replied, nope, nope. Never seen any like it? Nope. How about you? Well,
1: look, a quarterback going down, first of all, don't forget, I covered Eli Manning for 16 years. So, you know, a quarterback is different. You know, you can have a running back, a receiver, a linebacker, a cornerback. But when a quarterback goes down, it it changes everything, especially when you have a guy you think is your clear number one. You know how bad this was, Lawrence? Mike Glennon, the backup, you know what he said after this game? He said, it kind of felt like, yeah, I was out there with the guys I was working with in preseason. Wow. <laughs> right? That's what it was. There was no Galladay. There was no Saquon. There was Devontae Booker. There were, you know, the, these other receivers. Oh, now, at one time,
0: the... Board and Colin Johnson were the one and two receivers. Late, And, 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 and he's handing the
1: ball to Booker. So it was like, yeah, this is like the second quarter of a preseason game. And Mike Lennon's in. No, this was... Um, let me ask you, Lawrence. You lose the game. It's devastating. But the body blows... When you go back in that locker room, even at halftime, right? At halftime, Saquon's out. He's done. You know that. Uh, Daniel is woozy. He's out. He's done. Galladay says, I can't play anymore. He said he hyperextended his knee in the first quarter. I mean, teammates notice this, right, when you're going back out there and, like, you know, the other guys aren't coming with you.
0: It can be tough, and obviously I've never experienced anything to this magnitude. You know, we had injuries, uh, just never this many. You just It's kind of that next-man-up mentality in the NFL for every team, but this was different. I mean, obviously you talk about losing your quarterback. You talk about losing – Saquon, God bless him. What an unfortunate – unfortunate event i mean plays not even a play it was just kind of throttling down from a run and he steps wrong on someone's foot blows his ankle up obviously it's a sprain thank goodness it's nothing worse if it wasn't for bad luck this giants football team wouldn't have any luck uh, as the old saying goes they are they are just snake bitten
1: yeah i mean i feel for saquon you know we don't know you know he had two carries for nine yards you know you say how would he have done we don't know You know, the offense started slowly. We know that with Saquon, with Galladay, with Daniel Jones. They were playing themselves into the game a little bit. So, yeah, for Saquon, it is sickening because um, the guy is finally getting in gear. He's making big plays last week in New Orleans and um, looks like a low ankle sprain, right? It, it, it puffed up pretty good. What is that? Three weeks maybe, Lawrence? So I try to
0: compare it to, and I'm obviously not the athlete Saquon is. We don't need to debate that. I had one, Paul, if you remember, we played the Detroit Lions in 2010 and I sprained it on a Friday. Just exact same thing, rolled it, my side of my leg touched the ground almost like.
1: And seriously, how did you do that in practice?
0: I just kind of got on the edge of my, uh-huh. sounds like 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 the edge of my shoe. On the turf, and it was almost like being on the edge of your skis, and it, it just rolled up like that. That's what I'm getting to. Yes, so instant. It's instant. So when I saw his, I mean, it looks a lot worse than probably what it is to people on on TV. That is a sprain. But again, I missed obviously the Sunday game. Shane Graham came in, did a great job. I was able to play the next week in Dallas as a kicker, kicking off and kicking field goals. Heavily bandaged, wrapped up, taped up, shot. Saquon Barkley is obviously a running back. I would say no way in hell he plays in the next two weeks, for sure. Maybe a third week because he's different and he's a different kind of athlete. But this is a two, three weeker.
1: He he left the locker room on crutches in a boot, you know, which always looks worse, right? You know what I mean? It always looks like the guys yeah, never get the weight back. off of it. Yep. yep, yep. And they got a flight back. Now, you know, a lot of times in these games, you see a guy, they say the guy's in the concussion protocol. He's in the tent. He comes back. And you don't even notice it, right? You know, someone calls down and says, put him in the pro you know, put him in the under the tent because he got a little knock on the head. That's a lot different than what we saw in this game, correct? I mean, when you see Daniel get hit, for I thought he could have angled into the end zone. I thought he could have outrun those guys, you know. But look, he takes them on, he gets hit helmet to helmet. Look, this is this is a problem when you run, right? The more you run, the the more there's a chance we all love it, right? We're also we gotta have more RPOs. Daniel's gotta run. Daniel's gotta run. That's great until you get hit like this. Or, you know, he's trying to get in the end zone. But that's scary, right? That's scary. When you see a guy get up and like like, a, you know, you know, Wilder and um, and uh, Fury just fought, right? And you see you see guys woozy and rubber legged, and that was bad. You know, that looked bad. I don't want to overplay
0: this, but I felt like he was almost like foaming out of the mouth. So there was some white something coming out of his mouth and you just pray that he's okay, but he kind of lowered his head to initiate contact, which he did very similarly in the Atlanta game when he lowered his shoulder to go in for that two-point conversion. It's just one of those bang-bang plays. I love the call. A lot of people, you'll read social media, what the hell are we doing? Run in there! It's a great call. I tell you what, the Cowboys defended it perfectly. You know, give them a lot of credit. That was a—I thought for sure it was a great call—and then I saw these two defenders out there, and I'm thinking, damn, they schemed that up really well.
1: I thought Um, he could angle him. You know, I thought he could, but look, I mean, he... he, uh, I thought he had an
0: opportunity to flip the ball, too, to someone trailing behind. We'll never know. Obviously, we can look at film, but more importantly, his health. And, you know, this is the one, right? We kind of can put a timetable on an ankle. I'm worried about the head. Like, he wasn't KO'd. But, man this could be two weeks it could be a month you just never know and I don't know his history with concussions.
1: yeah I mean he hasn't had one with the Giants I don't feel um it's look as we know right he could wake up tomorrow feeling good and then he has to be in the protocol and he has to pass all those tests he could wake up Monday feeling okay and Tuesday be nauseous and be seeing spots look I mean I, I don't I asked Joe judge after the game and you know it was not a not a flippant question I said can he fly back with you And he said I've been told he can fly back. That's you a know, good sign. Yeah, Joe said he talked to him after the game and then we were asking him, probing him, well, how was he, how did he see him? And he said, that's all I'm going to say. He said, I don't want to get caught up in this. You know, I, I don't want to, this is a medical stuff. I don't want to, he said, all I can tell you is I spoke with him. I'm not going to say the nature and he and somebody asked, did he answer? He said yes. He talked back, but you know that was not. He's good. He feels fine. So
0: yeah, hopefully the flight went well. You know, Ronnie Barnes, Steve Canelli, Lee Weiss, and that team of doctors—they're going to have their hands full this week with everything that's going on. And so Galladay said he hurt his knee. Did you guys get a chance to talk to him or not?
1: Yes, we did. Yeah, hyperextended. It. He said he said he with the uh, with he um, looked slow. You know, he, he wasn't separating with, at all with with digs. First quarter, he tried to gut it through. Uh, he couldn't. What was one of the things that we worried about when they signed Kenny Galladay? Exactly that. Can he stay on the field, right? You know, he's a good receiver. Can he stay on the field? I had to actually go back, Lawrence, and make a list. Okay, you know it's bad when you say, look, I want to figure out what Kenny Galladay has been slowed with this since he's been with the Giants. And I said, you know what? I don't remember all. I got to go make a list. Hamstring in the summer, right? Then a hip kept out of some. So you got a hamstring. Not the, got not a hip. the old hip, but this was a new hip, right? Correct. Then yeah. the groin kept him out of practice a few weeks ago, and now the knee. So, you know, this is not good. You know, this is the $72 million receiver they signed, and, you know, no one questions anything about the guy. Either you're available and you're not. Um, is he going to be available this week? I would say no. I mean, he, he was yeah. forced out of a game with a knee injury.
0: Yeah, when you buy a Porsche, you expect to drive it off the lot and everything works perfectly. For all intents and purposes, he is a Porsche in the sports world. You buy a high-dollar, high-expensive-priced receiver. I think they knew what they were getting, but I thought they thought maybe those injuries were behind him. They're obviously not. But that brings me to another thought from this game. Kadarius Tony. You know, there's a lot of bad, and we can talk about some of that. Kadarius Tony, outside of the punch, was outstanding. I mean, he was a difference maker he's going to make everyone forget about Odell Beckham real quick.
1: Uh, did you see he broke Odell's record? Yeah, Does that's
0: not had... going to be the first one he breaks. I mean, Paul, I, I think everyone tempers expectations when you hear about a kid's twitchiness, and I saw him at Florida. He's different. Coach McGahee, as you know, who knows talent, he's done a very good job bringing in personnel. He was responsible for bringing in Dominique Hickson, if you remember that. T-Mac had some familiarity with him. And T-Mac, when T-Mac said he was different, I know what T-Mac means now. He's a special
1: player. This is what Mike Glennon said about him. He said, you just don't see that at the nfl level very often making guys miss like that and that's true and i agree with you lawrence when they drafted him and they said you know he's got a little bit of this he's got a little bit of that he's got some tyreek hill in him okay then you have to say okay you know that's you got to be careful with that right um you know with with that kind of um comparison and they say he's quick twitch and you see the, the the highlights at florida but you say look i mean He's not reinventing the wheel here, but yeah, you know, he's not traditional and that's fine. You know, that's fine. But, but he, he, I think, I think some of this off the field stuff was just a bunch of nonsense and the the shoes and you know, he had COVID and he had a hamstring, the way he talks, the way he looks. I mean, it's all interesting. Yeah. This, this was, I mean, it took him like two weeks to become the Giants best player. <laughs> it's right.
0: He, yeah. And, and I go back and it hit me today when Troy Aikman or someone in the broadcast was talking about that he did have COVID and then he did, have a hamstring, and I'm sitting there thinking, Well, holy cow! I mean, a pro he's playing professional football like COVID does a lot of things to your body, your lungs, even though which he's young, we don't even
1: know about. You don't, don't even i God, thank God, I've thank never God you, you, you thank didn't God. play through that,
0: right? I thank God I didn't get it, but a hamstring. But there was the play, Paul. You'll remember this play, it was the catch he made and it was a great throw by Daniel. The catch he makes in between two or three defenders and then like he had eyes in the back of his head, he made a move in between a safety and maybe someone from the inside pursuing. That just made me go, wow. He saw that. He felt it. He knew what he had. Not a lot of players have that skill set. So He also
1: just doesn't want to go down. I mean, it's all there is to it. You know, he's not like, okay, I'm going to run out of bounds. It's like, okay, I got I got the first down. He just, it, it's like a game of tag to him and he he wants to win. Now, you said other than the punch, right? Now, now some 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 people I know are making this into, you know, the greatest crime of the century. Exactly. They're
0: trying to take away from what he did today. Now, it's not good.
1: It, it's, a, it's a penalty. It's it is. stupid. He catches the ball. He gets like a 12 or 13 yard gain. He takes Umbridge at the safety for hitting him a little bit. Now, Kadarius is going to have to get used to that. When he's dancing and dancing and going this way and going out, people are going to try to take shots at him. That's all there is to it. And you know maybe a couple of extra shots because he, he you never know when the play is over. So he doesn't like that. Evan Ingram comes to his defense. Evan Ingram and the safety get into it and Kadarius takes the punch. First of all, he uses a fist and punches the guy in the helmet. Thank goodness he didn't break anything. You know what I mean? You you see Joe Judge, he was incensed. Joe Judge said after the game, we don't condone that. We can't accept that. He was really upset by it. But I think you have to be upset properly. I mean, it's not good, but I don't think it means this is a problem, child, and this is a huge problem for the Giants. They just have to wean that out of him. That's all.
0: Young player, he made a mistake. I have... No problems at all with the punch. I don't think anyone in, on the staff will, nor in the locker room.
1: Well, I so, don't know if you can say no problems with the punch. I mean – I don't. It, it, I
0: don't. I mean, I, there's more positives that are going to come out of it than the negatives. Obviously, the game was out of hand. They're down two scores. I get it. Now, that happens in a tie game three years from now, different animal.
1: But oh, today, oh, here's another thing. I, I, I was more upset with Leonard Williams late in the game trying to rip Tony Pollard's helmet off than, than Kadarius Tony in his sixth NFL game.
0: Veteran versus rookie, and that's how we differentiate the two. But overall, you love his passion, right? We we know the guy's all about football and ball, and he showed that today. The defense was kind of a mixed bag, if you will. They're on the field a lot. Wait, wait, cow, where's they, the they,
1: Where's the good part of the mixed bag there?
0: The turnovers, I thought early. Right, mm-hmm. I, I think early, I'm not saying mixed bag, but they just got worn down and slaughtered. And I'll tell you what, Paul, I've <laughs> never seen a team tackle so poorly. They don't tackle yeah. very well.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think the Cowboys like to get you in a, in a, in a trench. They get you tired. Kind of thing, they get you, know? you tired. Yes, they do. And then they yep.
0: get Zeke on the outside and Pollard. Holy cow, he comes out of the hole. For everyone listening out there, I don't care how big and bad these NFL players are in the secondary and linebacker core, you get sick of hitting people in space. And that's what the, you know, the, the Cowboys wore them down did I Paul. They wore them
1: down. Vander Esch, right? They're, they're a linebacker, right? The, the Cowboys took some shots at the Giants afterwards in this game. Vander Esch was asked, people I think look at the game and, and sort of the chippiness at the end and they say, man, this was a real physical game. And they said, you know, how physical was this game? And he said, I think we brought it to them on every single snap the way we could, and we out hit them. So you can say it's a physical game and all that, but there's going to be games that are more physical than others. I didn't come of this out of this game feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking battered. I got a bunch of bumps and bruises. So he was asked about the 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 stuff after the game, the punches and everything like that. And he said, we got to look him in the eye and say, let's go. It doesn't matter. If you guys want to be chippy and you guys want to get stupid calls, penalties thrown at you, go ahead. You know, the Cowboys I enjoyed mean, this. And, and th- Like and this- they've
0: won. Like, th- yeah, I, I get it. Listen, they're, they're piling on right now. And listen, we didn't run the ball. We didn't run the ball. So Vander Esch, he should feel good. You know, we didn't really do a whole lot in the running game, which kind of brings back... All their other issues, I think they just haven't had any resemblance of a running game all season, and it puts them so one-sided that everyone knows they're going to throw the football. But he can say that he's entitled to it. They get to see him down the road, and I'm sure that'll be on the bulletin board.
1: And this is this is what everybody with the cow, everyone who doesn't like the Cowboys, right? You know, for years and years they've been not so good, or they've been okay, or they've been mediocre. But when the Cowboys are good, this is the Cowboys. They talk, they chirp. Everyone hates them. Everyone loves them. So I they're think very good. Th- they're very good. Very yes, good football yes. team. Yeah, they're they're very quick. Impressed. I mean, don't challenge digs deep, please, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and you know, we'll have to see if they can move forward the Giants. They will move forward, but boy, this was this Oof. was beaten and battered. There's no way to spend a Sunday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and 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 that that's what I wrote in the post, you know. Beaten and battered is not great, a good way to spend the Sunday afternoon. No, and this and this is uh, what the Giants were. Unless they were you're beaten f- and they were
0: battered. Unless you're some catfish, beaten and battered.
1: Beaten and battered, yes, very nice. I like
0: catfish, Jake.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to get to Monday. Like I'm, I'm battling a cold. Like I'm day to day right now, week to week. Maybe uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, well, the one thing on the Tony, like I mean, like Paul said, you you're only hurting yourself by punching someone's helmet. Like he's not going to get hurt, even if you lay a great punch on his helmet. You're probably getting hurt worse than the guy, right, Lawrence? Like. Him getting hit in the helmet, there. He's not getting hurt, no matter how hard the punch. And
0: it was almost like the butt of his hand, like the the heel of his hand. Like he swam, but I, he didn't really try to, you know, put his knuckles on it. I mean, KT's smarter than you think he is, ball player.
2: I respect the the fight, but we got to get him on him the show. Them. We got to
0: get KT oh, on the Blue Rush spot.
2: I'll provide him all the fake drip I'll he needs. He's got up. the real drip. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll I'll go pick him up from Kansas City. Listen,
2: I, I got a couple of good $50 Amazon chains that look real, but they're not. So if you need some fake stuff to go with his real stuff, I got them covered. With but the a guy who keeps it keeps it all real, uh, he, did, he didn't wear any drip for this interview, but that'd be two-time Super Bowl champion. Dave Tollison is coming up next on Blue Rush. Joining us now on Blue Rush is a friend of the program. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, Giants defensive end, that played alongside Lawrence Tynes. On those 2007 and 2011 memorable teams with the 2011 team being honored Sunday against the Rams. He played five seasons with Big Blue from 2007 through 2011. He had a career high five sacks during that 2011 championship season. He was a small college All-American in 2005 at Northwest Missouri State. He was the final pick number 253 in the 2006 NFL Draft as Mr. Irrelevant, but he's not irrelevant to us. Let's give a Blue Rush return welcome to number Seventy-one, the pride of Walnut Creek, California. Dave Tollison, David's, Jake Brown, and Lawrence Tynes here. How you doing, man?
3: I'm doing great. I was second to last pick, man. Get it right.
2: Ah, oh, well, two fifty-three used to be the last. Did they add a compensatory, compensatory, whatever Com- the I, word is? I don't know. I,
3: I think Marquis Colston was actually picked right after me. So was Ooh, he the
2: player. pride of Hofstra, where I went? Yeah. Wow, one of our one of our it heroes. Was
3: a deep late draft. I was out, You know, you guys know the story. I was on a bass fishing tournament when I got drafted. So
0: sounds about right. Just think, <laughs> you missed out on a trip to Disneyland. <laughs> do they actually you, give a trip? to they Disneyland? They actually do. You know, Ryan yeah. wow. suck up was Mr. Irrelevant and has had a really nice career, kicking with the Bucks, But I talked to him about that. Yeah, they took him to Disney Disneyland, I
3: think, not Disney World. I think it's the one. There's a parade. There's a parade, I think, as well, right? Like in some town. Yeah.
0: I don't know how I feel about someone celebrating me as the last pick. <laughs> it's like, well, anyway, Dave, what's up? <laughs> Tell us what you've been doing. What's going on in Omaha?
3: Nothing, man. Just coaching football at the junior college in Council Bluffs, across the river. Iowa Western just beat the number one team in the country on Saturday coaching of the boys' youth football teams, couple flag teams, and a tackle team, and obviously duck season opened up on Saturdays. So, you know I'm out there busting their ass too.
2: <laughs> How does it feel to beat the number one team in the nation? Like you got you had a flex when you said that a little bit.
3: A hundred percent. So the last three years we've played this team. They're far away in Utah, and the team that's won has played for the national championship. So it's it, it's a big time game. They're really well coached. It's called Snow College. It was it was a really good football game. One
0: So you're coaching in Juco. I know you got the boys. You think you'll coach in the NFL? at some point when the boys get out of the house or maybe later
3: i don't know i was approached uh, when i retired obviously i I love football it's in my dna i love i love specifically the defensive line um obviously i was in a room full of super smart guys justin tuck matthias oc chris canny i mean the list goes on and and we would always mess with each other about who's gonna coach because we were all pretty knowledgeable I, i don't know i think i'd like it i love football man I love it. And and coaching it is what did OC always say? It's easier being tough with someone else's body.
0: Oh yeah. That's a great quote.
2: When you're in the room with those guys, an O. C Strahan, Tuck, are you each picking each other's brain? Are you you know, Strahan was around for a while before you got there. Are you picking his brain? Are you picking another guy's brain? They're picking your brain. How does that meeting room work?
3: Uh, it's actually, we goof off probably most of the time. I think Tynes would probably know as well as anybody walking by that room, listening to everybody laugh. But, but the game plan plans were complicated. Basically, those five years I was there, the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo and then Perry Fuel, Sheridan, who got fired because he wanted us to run under defense and our DNs were 250 pounds but that's another story but basically every week we would build our own pass rush plan so they would call a third down coverage and it was entirely up to us front four guys the nascar package or whoever else was in there to call our play up front and depending on what set they came out in. Was it a tight end back, 11 personnel? Was it offset back? Was it I? Was it a wing? Did they have a chipper, et cetera, et cetera? We would institute this plan that we built all week. So yeah, all week it was picking each other's brains what we thought would work.
0: Dave, that's a great segue into today's Giants defense, you know, watching them, a lot of people would put a lot of blame on the defense and specifically the D-line, 500 yards of offense. Do you think it's it's more of a scheme or personnel problem? I mean, what, what do you see when you watch the Giants play on Sundays?
3: Well, I, I've listened to you guys before, and I'm the same as you times in, in a lot of ways. I hate picking on guys because I was, I was in that spot. The NFL is a hard job. Like no one sucks, everybody's at least good, but I don't see the depth up front that at least that we had now. that's what our championship team was built around the offense and defensive lines. I don't see that, I don't see the depth we had backups, Kevin Booth, I mean our backups in New York, myself included would start on a lot of teams and and we would rotate and we just have this wave of guys that knew exactly what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it and and I just don't. There's a couple levels to this. One, they're not getting in situations where they can use even a a pass rush game plan. They're not getting in third and longs. Our number was third and six. If we can get in third and six, ball was now in our court as a defensive line they're not getting in those situations secondly i don't see other than leonard williams and you know you got the milk carton thing going time sometimes but you can't have one guy you, you just can't you need at least two if not three we had four and five and i just don't see that up front
2: how does it change last year patrick graham is this hero and the defensive coordinator of the year and the giants are scheming up everything and then this year, everything's gone to crap, it seems like, in some ways. They're just not attacking the quarterback like they were. The secondary, in some ways, got better, yet it still doesn't seem better. How does that change like that overnight?
0: I think, before real quick, one thing I want to talk to you about is Dalvin. I think it was kind of a under-the-radar free agent signing, but Dalvin Tomlinson leaving in free agency to go to the Vikings – he was a key piece to what they did in the run game a four-year starter started every game was never hurt knock on wood and they let him go and it was like a two-year 21 million dollar deal i just don't know why he wasn't prioritized and then you know, those guys could feed off of him. Dexter Lawrence and, and some of these guys in the middle, Shelton, they're just not producing at the rate that Dalvin was. And and I think that's one of the big reasons this team finds itself in the position it is. And then they put all their eggs in one basket, keeping X and, and Carter. And these guys thinking, oh, well, they're injured. But Carter flashed a little bit today for the first time. But Ajalari, I mean, I think he's the one guy that can keep getting better this year who is going to be a stud.
3: He's going to have to. And times, that happened to us twice while we were together. We let ba- Barry Cofield go, and then we let Linville.
0: Big Linville Joseph. And I I was thinking about that the other day, Dave, the fact that you bring that up. So every time, and it seems like all three of these guys were second-round picks. It was Tomlinson, uh, Linville Joseph, and Barry Cofield, all drafted by the Giants, and for some reason, neither one of them saw a second contract now Linville joseph is still playing to this day for the Chargers barry cofield had had a good little run with the with washington but i, I don't know why they that's not a resignable guy when they're they're almost plug and play and they play forever
3: and I'm not sure either and, and and Lawrence you look back at our 2011 team during the regular season we were not great on defense we were below average if you go back and uh, losing Linville was a big deal because you know chris candy did a great Job inside for us, but Chris, he wasn't really a nose guard, he was really a three technique, a heavy end, obviously, a really big end. But we had guys that could play defensive end, obviously. But you need a bell cow inside. Leonard Williams is great, I, you know, three technique can pass for us. You need a guy that'll hang in there and take a beating and not complain you know Pat Williams at, for Minnesota you look at all these great defenses Lodi Nada they always had a real big anchor whatever you want to call them, of a guy in the middle that could that could take double teams in the run game New York really doesn't have that so that leads to other issues now you have a double team with a guard leaving climbing up to the middle backer
0: and you lose Blake Martinez a couple
3: weeks ago yes and, I mean, and that's so now it's an avalanche of things when you let a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson go that face value doesn't seem like that big of a deal because Leonard Williams is playing so well but it, it really matters and, and real quick to get to the scheme thing this is super interesting I've thought about this a lot when it comes to, to schematic type pass rush defenses the only team to really get away with it in the long term in the nfl is the pittsburgh steelers if you look at any other team that does great on defense they have four defensive linemen and then if you're fortunate enough you can rotate them through right but the scheme stuff can get you in trouble because if you don't have the right parts and you lose a part the scheme doesn't work and so i don't know if that's part of it if they're missing a couple pieces obviously guys are hurt but it's not working how it was last year
2: i like dave because he uses big words. before you said like chipper I was thinking Chipper Jones. You use some some big defensive words. You got to really know game uh, to you know translate some. We're gonna need a Dave Tollison defensive dictionary. But Dave, you look at the offensive side. You know this is the year you got to you know make your decision. Kind of on Daniel Jones, I think he's improved this year. Obviously today that was scary.
3: He was woozy. There was white stuff coming out of
2: his mouth. But are you comfortable? Say the season ends today. Are you comfortable with Daniel Jones being the Giants franchise quarterback?
3: I think you have to be um, because he has shown the upper. limit what he can be but this team since he's been here has consistently fallen apart around him with injuries with personnel with head coaches I mean you name it as a quarterback what hasn't he been through I mean everything injuries coordinator change head coaching change, etc. It's like, it's it's all really been there. We've still seen him overcome, you know, a handful of these difficulties in the worst situations, not to mention an offensive line that looks like I wouldn't ask him to protect my pork sandwich, you know, like... <laughs> (laughs) And I hate to say that, but I mean the guy's getting beat up. So, and then Saquon's hurt, and it just is a linear issue. So, yeah, I think you got to move on and be okay with them.
0: Yeah, and for four million dollars next year, I mean, listen, he's going into that fourth year. You know, we'll see if they pick up his fifth year option. I'm assuming they will because it's going to be cheap. But I I just just don't think he's had a fair shake. You know, there's a lot of Daniel Jones apologists out there, but I think you know I talked to Dave a lot about Ball. We understand what he's truly going through. Now, some people will just make a blanket statement and say he sucks because the Giants haven't won or you know a lot of football games but looking at it through a lens of a football player and knowing you know the last two years man you couldn't get an evaluation of anybody back there based off the offensive line and what Dave's kind of alluding to is is like it's almost like it's an incomplete grade and it looks like that's what we're trending to because I would say he's out two to four weeks I'm not a doctor I'm just guessing where that head is right now and that kind of a shot I'm thinking two weeks to, to a month. And where does that put us? That puts us at, let's call it two and eight or something. The season's over. Mike Glennon came in, I thought played well. But man, you're going to have another offseason. God, here we are, week five, talking about the offseason of, we don't know. We think we know. We th- I, I know more now than I did last year. But but again, you know, if you have two top 10 picks and you can package together a deal, I don't know what's available in the draft this year. But I think you keep him. And then, you know, there's some other things, obviously, we need to build. You know, obviously, edge Rusher and things like that. But the fact that we're talking about the draft after five games again is is really why Giants Nation is so upset.
3: So then you can't fix other problems too, right, Lawrence? Yeah. Like you start talking about we got a bail on Daniel. All right, well, then we got to get a guy in the draft or trade draft picks to get a guy. Well, what yeah. are we going to do about the defensive line? What are we going to do with the O-line? Well, I mean, I there's so many things that we have to do that I'm ha- I'm happy with him. Like you said, for $4 million, keep him around.
0: Yeah. The O line has played well. I'm not going to sit here and bang them. I think they've been in zero sacks today. I think they've done well all year. I think they've you know they've kind of fixed whatever held them over the years.
3: You still gotta run the ball though. That's the problem. See, that's yeah. They that's do not run the mean, football. Yeah, well. yeah, they have protected them. They and do not run the ball. I thought that, what was it, that San Diego coach last week was up there talking about you at least have to have the illusion of being able to run the ball because it changes the way that you run a defense. Contrary to poverty belief, because I know O.C. got hell for playing against the run, but that was a big focus of ours up front when I was in New York because we wanted to pass rush. And if you can't stop the run, they're going to run the ball game and you ain't going to get a pass rush. So it's frustrating how we sit right now.
2: Who was the most talented player on that defensive line? You mentioned a lot of those names. Which one? You got to pick one. It's, not,
3: it's Jason player? Pierre-Paul. It's not even... It's it's like he's a different stratosphere of athleticism than any... I'm in a different solar system. Tuck and Osier are in the same solar system as JVP, but he's He's a different planet, man. He, Over
2: Strahan. Okay.
3: Uh, so we would play the Vikings, and they had this titan named Klein Saucer. North Dakota guy. Looked like a Viking, huh, Tiny? Yeah, he did. I mean, massive. I mean, could well, run. With
2: that name, I would hope so. Klein Saucer. And a he,
3: name. Would, he was the best blocking tight end that any of us have played against, right? And all week, we're telling JPP, like, dude, you better watch out. Klein Saucer's going to get your ass, you know? J- we're watching the game. He's lined up across from Klein Saucer. J- JPP is. Extends pine saucer and throws him on the ground and we're all just standing there like all right this doesn't even count you can't like jason could do whatever he wants still is with half a hand
2: yeah that was pre uh that was with all the free yeah
3: he doesn't care he doesn't eat them all. he doesn't <laughs>
2: He does. not That's interesting, though, Lawrence. That he uh, over Strahan. That JPP was that guy. Did you feel the same way? A hundred percent.
0: I can't. I only played one year with me and Dave. Only played one year with Strahan. Yeah. I I think Strahan, when oh, you put right. him into the category of was kind of one of the older type defensive end bodies going out, leaving the game, and then the JPPs, the OCs, and the things were starting to take over football. You know, Strahan was more of a technician. Power wasn't a real fleet of foot guy. wasn't a great athlete to be, if we're being honest, compared to the guys we're talking about, yeah. But you know, Kadarius Tony, oh boy, I know you as a as a former player, and you see what he did today, and sure, he punched somebody in the chops, and I loved it. I'm sure you did too, because when you're going out there and, and you have one of your teammates backs, but he's different. He's in that JPP mold, you know, that we're just talking about. But listen, are you excited? We're going to get together next week. We're yeah, man. party a little bit. Great. Um, like, Super Bowl
3: 46 Hopefully we, we win
0: Well we're playing the Rams I'm not going to guarantee a win But I guarantee you I will win the day I'm going to win the day individually No matter Finish. what no matter what, score, no matter what the MetLife scoreboard says yeah, Me and you are going to We're going to win the day If it's a Miller Lite, Bud Light We are going to win David, what are
3: you doing David? <laughs> Get off the ground <laughs> Stay up Well
0: I may be on the ground on Sunday Oh <laughs> well,
2: Dave you are invited we are we are doing a post game podcast at the oh. sports book next to the stadium at 5 p.m., 5 p.m., 5 We're going to have
0: to limit tickets, Jake. This thing so, could be really...
3: Well,
2: know, let's pack the place. You know, I mean, if the team's losing, let's celebrate after. The beers will be flowing. Bets will be being placed legally. Over
3: on the horse track?
2: Yeah. They, they still wasting
3: those little carts over there or what?
2: Little buggies? <laughs> yeah. They have a sports book. You could do betting. You could, you could drink. They got everything, and you're welcome to come by and, and drink and party with us. Hopefully, it's a post-game victory party. You know, Lawrence talks about those two teams, and he looks at 2011 more as like a standalone In two thousand and seven, what did you say, Lawrence? What was the wording you said? You said two thousand and seven was a more like tight knit unit. Two thousand and eleven was kind of more random. There was a
0: lot of moving parts. People came in, young guys, guys for one year. You know, I think Deion Grant, and then the Herzliks and the Cordles and the Victor Cruzes were coming, and it was just a different deal versus. You know, I think it's because, you know, Dave and I and the Soyberts and the O'Hara's and the D, De- we all had kids born around the same time. So there's a different personal feel. And having said that, we're still both close teams. I just think they have different feels, if you will.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and, and two totally kind of different ways of going about it as well. You know, I mean, that. 07 team against the undefeated Patriots is like insane but then you look at the 11 team we were 9 and 7 like I remember Coach Nunn coming in what, what were we like were we 7 7, seven, seven, seven. seven. and 7 and he's like applying for jobs at Central Oklahoma and Edmond you know like <laughs> everybody's like hey man you know we're, they're gonna get us out of here you know like the minute we lose and we're not in the playoffs like there's gonna be a change well let's when you know let's we can do this you know we, we beat New York and then we beat Dallas to, like I think we got a good team we were banged up early remember i think tuck and oc missed some games and it, it's pretty cool to look back on i know you feel the same way lawrence but like remember they covered our trophies up the jets yeah on the wall?
0: absolutely i remember i was one of the ones that yanked those curtains back
3: yeah you and deal right
0: i did it on the way in and then and
3: then they covered them back up then right? they covered
0: it back up and then we went went in after the game what's great about that year is i think we were in playoff mode from week 15 on 16 if you want to call it however they work it out but those last two games were playoff games got to win them and get in and so you know we really played six playoff games that year and starting one of the most memorable uh regular season games of my life outside that patriots one in '07, last game of the year is that jets game that jets game so, on do christmas you think
2: that game is what kind of ignited you guys in week 16 and the, the, yeah. the jets yeah. were good party going Jets were
0: good that was a good football team we beat, and we did it, obviously, as a visitor. Yeah, I 100% think that propelled us. You know, the the Ahmad Bradshaw run, the Victor Cruz 99-yard catch, Tom Coughlin tore his hamstring. <laughs> I mean, oh my that God. was all – Danny Ware ran into him, and, you know, he tore it off the bone and coached uh-huh. the whole playoffs with his hamstring hanging off his ass, basically.
3: Dude, he was tore up. He couldn't uh-huh. walk.
0: No toughness, no
2: championship, yeah. Dave. Tom
3: Coughlin. we always give him crap. You're not getting late to the training room, right, Coach? Could you find? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Are you early for everything? We ask. You know, every one of those guys. Are yeah. You, like, do you do you show up to like your your kids' PTA meetings? Like twenty in minutes here, early.
3: I was sitting here in front of my computer at eight twenty. <laughs> you know, it, it's ruined my life, Coach Coughlin. Like, I, I can't even look at a like. Is that what time it is, or is that five minutes fast? You know. Yeah, I,
0: I don't trust any clock in the world <laughs> except mine. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like embarrassed
2: when I show up Blake, because Lawrence is already in here. He's like, come on, I'm waiting. And I'm like, So damn, Tom like, I'm has not a created
0: anxiety, time induced anxiety for all of his players. Thanks, Tom.
3: No ankle socks. I wear ankle socks, though, now. He didn't tear that up for me, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You got to wear
2: Is ankle there a speech socks. from Coughlin, Dave, that stands out to you? Do you remember anyone's speech? I know
3: you just did kind of a little impression of him, but was there one that stands out? That Super Bowl, the one before the second Super Bowl. Oh, uh, Incredible. Was, was incredible really neat incredible. i mean he just he, he kind of poured himself out and spoke to us in a manner that he just never had and even the remember the first one was fantastic as well he's like guys you win this game you're, it's not just you it's your family are champions everyone yeah. you care and it was just i'm getting goosebumps thinking of i mean
0: i remember tearing up at the second one yeah a little bit i kind of want to cool. hear an
3: impression of the second one now well it's on video i
0: think you can find it yeah. i've seen some clips of it i think the entire speech is out there on the world wide web
3: <laughs> right next to urban Myers' video
0: oh yes <laughs> next oh, gosh, we're moving man. on how are they do <laughs> need a lesson how not to we, are Go to urban we are all sinners we are all sinners
2: Oh God! what What's your favorite all time giant memory,
3: Dave? Gosh, we had so many good ones. I'm sure you do it now more times the further we get away from it. But you, you, every once in a while, you get caught thinking like the worst team we were on was eight and eight, and it felt like we were four and twelve.
0: It, it takes me back to what this current regime is feeling like, Dave. I, I think about that all the time. I said that I played on one losing team in my thirteen years. We were seven and nine. Into Kansas City, which is not bad by NFL standards, but I think what is four and twelve? What is three and thirteen? I couldn't eight and eight felt like man, this stunk. Man, this is bad. This is bad. I'm telling you, it's bad. The
3: the, the practices were so fun and competitive. I mean, we would compete. In camp and every it, it was just such a joy to go to work there you know i mean like we had we had the best food you know like i'd get all the guys coffee every morning i knew everybody's coffee order in the d-line room so i'd go in there and i you know because he was installing the game plan i didn't really care because it was fine. i knew everything i didn't need to see it but I would just come in with eight cups of coffee and all of them were made perfectly for Chris and Tuck and and OC and all, you know, coach like and it was just that you really couldn't beat that environment, um, especially with the guys that had been there a while. You know, you got to think, in 2008, I know Lawrence was banged up, but that football team, we were the best team in the NFL, period. It wasn't oh, even close.
0: That should have been a back-to-back year.
3: You know, so we had been, we went 10-6 and six, another year, didn't make the playoffs. So there was a group of older guys in this locker room that that knew how hard this was, and we worked. I mean, we just worked so hard. And obviously, Eli would lead the charge on that with the way he worked. But it it was just a joy going to work, you know. We had the same special teams coach for the five years I was there. Great, We had a great relationship with him. Old Lego hair, Tom Quinn.
0: Tommy Quinn still got the Lego hair looking nice today in Big D. I mean, he's got the Lego. It's like he just goes and picks it up off the shelf. Boom. But you know what's funny is Jake, you ask him that question, and it's like, I can't pick one thing. It's impossible. But he does pick out all the things like, you know, like Zach made milkshakes on the road before every game. We had, you know, the ice cream set up after the post game meeting or post, it was church then meeting on, you know, Saturday before the game. And then Zach knew everyone's like milkshake order, just little like team bonding camaraderie type things that we had. And listen, we don't underappreciate it because I know how hard it is to make that happen in the NFL with all the egos. Somehow we were we were able to do that.
2: And I feel that happens with winning teams. Once you win, those kind of cool things happen. This Giants team they haven't won. Mm. So you know you don't have guys, you know, getting everyone's milkshake and coffee order. Nope. Because everyone's showing up Monday, Tuesday, like, God damn, we just lost our twelfth straight game. And it's it's a more miserable feeling. But you guys seem to have you had that happiness, you had that cohesion, you had the coach, everything just clicked, and every year that was a competitive club.
3: Yeah, we we'd spend so much time with the video guys with the staff. We knew everyone had a job and I and I think no matter what your job was whether it was the football side front office side whatever there was such a a mutual amount of respect there that everyone was going to do their job as best they could that's the way Tom was right like you have your job do it as as well as you can and he was so honest about it which was great you know I remember him telling me like Dave you got to make some plays this week you know like we need you to play better and it it, it was i played on the raiders and they weren't very good and you didn't get that honesty and and that's why i like joe judge i feel like you get that you gotta have that you can't be hiding behind people and saying things behind their back and you're right you're right jake they just need to start winning and no i don't care how a win's a win it doesn't matter there's no apologies for winning so they just need to start
2: is sunday last one for you dave is it going to be emotional well you know if you do end up making it you know are there going to be onions being cut at MetLife
3: Stadium? Well, I don't cry a lot when I'm drunk, so probably not.
2: <laughs> Fair answer. you going to get Dave out to the That's tailgate before answer. the game. Damn. <laughs> That's fun. That's amazing. Dave Tollefson. Follow him on Twitter, at DTollefson71, two-time Super Bowl champion. Dave, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.
3: No problem. Take care, guys.
0: That says cheerio to episode 78, the Andrew Thomas edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Give Blue Rush that wee five-star rating and write down a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Paula Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return on Thursday as we preview Giants-Rams, the 10-year anniversary of Super Bowl Forty-six. Thanks for listening to Blue Rush.